Hi, welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and boy, it's a joy to be with uh, Jackie Martling today. You may know Jackie from a variety of things, including a what was that show you were on for many years? Uh, uh, Howard the Stern? Don Imus uh, in the morning show. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, no, many, many moons with the Howard Stern show, uh, radio, television. Uh, and then on his, we had a radio show on his, one of his stations for years. Uh, a long, long affiliation and also a long affiliation with Filthy Jokes. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So stick around and we'll be right back. Yeah. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q podcast. That's J-A-T-Q podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. And today, like I said, it's a joy to have with us an old friend and a very funny man, uh, Jackie Martling. And Jackie, it's just ask the question. So we're going to start out before we get into it, just asking you this question. Do you think that uh, Americans have lost their sense of humor? No. Good. No, not, not when they're talking to me, they haven't. That's uh, good. But um, it's just, is it harder to laugh at a lot of stuff? Yeah. You know, but people have to loosen up. You know, it. It's tough, but Jesus Christ, you know, our country went through a couple of world wars and, you know, you know, you, you got to buckle up, you know, it, you can't lose your sense. If you don't laugh, what the hell good is anything? You know, I'm a shallow guy. I go to the post office and I make the guy behind the counter laugh. That makes my day, you know, Mine making too. people laugh makes my day. And I, hopefully it makes their day. Um, you know, when you say that people lost their sense of humor because they're not laughing, you know, at gay jokes or black jokes or something like that, that's not losing their sense of humor. It, maybe their sense of humor are changing or maturing or whatever. But people are always going to want to, you know what? This is going to sound pompous. Smart people are always going to want to laugh. Yeah. You know, smart people like, um, and there are always going to be people with no sense of humor. I don't care, you know, it, it, you know, there was some cavemen that thought it was funny when their friend got hit by a falling rock. And some that didn't, you know. <laughs> hey, you know who's a big fan of dirty jokes? Who's that? And I'm not. I'm not making this up. Albert Einstein. That's true. No, I know you're not making that up. That, I yeah. heard that through uh, uh, such a weird. I knew a guy whose music teacher's grandfather was a famous cantor, that was close friends to Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein and him were always telling filthy jokes. He told me this at a film festival 20 years ago. He said, Albert Einstein's favorite joke was, my dick isn't that big, but I love every foot of it. <laughs> <laughs> Albert Einstein, come on. 
<laughs> oh, I'm telling you. Oh, a, a tough room, you know. Hey, <laughs> how you doing? How you doing? Oh man, so I'll tell great. you my favorite Rodney joke. One of my favorite. He, <laughs> Rodney said, uh, you know, I I walked in to see my my uh, to get a colonoscopy from from my proctologist. I didn't know he used to be a photographer. He said, bend over and say cheese. I <laughs> die. <laughs> yeah, it never gets old. I love I it, you know. <laughs> and I had a whole craziness with him, and I got all, all you know, drawn over the coals and everything because you know I, I I I had a little problem with him because he used jokes that he didn't say he was going to use, which who cares? And it was a whole long right. thing, but it was funny on the Stern show. Now I got this stupid dummy behind me that somebody <laughs> sent me twenty years ago, and once in a while I push the no, I push the button, and the other day I pushed the button. And it was one of the jokes I had sent him that he had never paid me for. Because <laughs> it, it was a stupid joke that really didn't fit. But he, I think he wound up using it when he did the um, back to school. It was like, yeah, what a life. I, I share lockers with a mop. <laughs> <laughs> Which really is that so cute. I'm like, there's one of the jokes right there. Well, so I watched Match Game the other day. It was an old, I, I can't remember where I saw it. It was an old Match Game. And it was, uh, they, they had stolen a Rodney. Now, I don't know who wrote it, but it was, uh, you know, my, my, um, it was, my neighborhood was so tough that when we played hockey, if you violated the rules, you didn't get thrown in a penalty box. You got thrown in a blank and you had to, you know, my, and it was a Rodney line. No, no, I got thrown in an ice box, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't even think I know that one, you know, <laughs> There's a million, you know, and it's just that never gets old, you know, and the, laughing at the downtrodden and pulling yourself down, you know, self, uh, you know, self-deprecation is always going to be funny. It's never not funny. It's got to be, you know, Mel Brooks just put out a book um, called All About Me. And it's like 800 pages. A friend of mine um, was the uh, ghostwriter or whatever. Writer. I'm like, Eddie, your name's not even on this thing. He said, well, that was the deal. You know, that, you know. Some people like to share the credit, like Mel and Howard. You know, you know, they pass the credit yeah. around, you know. But it's so fun to listen to. And um, it's he's just funny. The stuff, the, the stupid, stupid fart jokes and dumb jokes and plays on words. I just laugh out loud at that. And, you know, there's other people that would go, oh, you know, that's, <laughs> shut up. You know. <laughs> well, you know, there was uh, one of the last interviews that his buddy Carl Reiner did was on this show. And Carl and I were talking and, and he said, when it boils down to it, he goes, when people always criticize comedians, he goes, did it make you laugh? If it did, then shut the fuck up. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's all I say. I say, you come to see me, you're not going to walk out of here any smarter. You're not going to walk out of here. You know, all you're going to do is laugh. People say, oh yeah, well, what you do is so silly or it's so childish or blah, blah, blah. And then some people say, you know, Jackie just tells old jokes. Like, Listen, when a guy goes up on stage and he does Hamlet, he didn't write Hamlet. He <laughs> performs it. If he performs it really well, he's unbelievable. If he sucks, he stinks. It's like, it's all in the performance. And the bottom line, if somebody comes in, I've had so many people say that's the hardest I've ever laughed for an hour. That's all. I don't want to hear that. You know what? You made me see you, you know, what a revelation about, no, if you laughed hard for an hour, job done. That's how I look at it. You know, you know, if you, if you want to learn something, go to college, you want to learn how to cook, buy a cookbook. You want to laugh your ass off, come see me. That's my story.
know, and it's a <laughs> good I story. You, did I tell you my COVID joke? No, go ahead. So a guy knocks on his neighbor's door and the neighbor answers, hey man, since the COVID hit, I haven't seen your wife. His neighbor says, oh, she's out back in the garden. He says, well, I was just out there. I didn't see her. His neighbor says, well, you, you got to dig down a little bit. <laughs> 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 Which gets funnier and funnier the longer the pandemic hangs out, you know, and it's like, it's not funny, but you got to laugh. How can you not laugh at that? You know, <laughs> we're all ready to kill each other, kill ourselves, kill the wife, kill the cat, the dog. What are you going to do? Who knows? Well, I got a pickup truck, a bag of lime and a shovel. Let's get going. Yeah, there you go. It's a, it's, nowadays, they call out a date. So, <laughs> so tell me about the show. I don't know about the show. I'm doing a show that call. I never met Carl Reiner. That was one of the sad things. Oh, really? Yeah, I... I Almost met Mel a couple times. I'm I'm actually friends with Alpha Betty, who was his assistant, and it was actually her idea for them to dance around the the fountain. Wow! In, in, in uh, the producers, you know. Yeah. And she's great, and you know, so many people. You come so close to people. I mean, I was friends with Les Paul and Willie Nelson and all these people, but I've never snuck up on Mel. One of these days, I gotta get to him soon. The clock is. Well, yeah, that's. Yeah, I was lucky to interview Carl. I, I was always a huge Carl Reiner fan and, and Mel. And um, they had dinner every night at, at, at uh, Carl's house is what he told me. And so I, sh I rolled up on Carl's house and we do the interview. And as we're sitting there talking, he goes, look, we've been doing this for a couple hours. He goes, I got to let you know, though, uh, we're going to have to end it in a few minutes because, you know, Mel's coming over. And I go, Mel? <laughs> so they can watch Jeopardy, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, so great. God. All I can think of is is uh, is him chasing uh, Sid Caesar with the uh, "This is your life" or whatever it was. This is your story in that that famous bit. Oh God, just yeah. chase him up and down the aisles, you know. And that was an ad lib. Like Sid just took off down the aisle, you know. They, oh, you they never were know. When Mel tells his stories in the book, you you know it's with a little bit of a wink and a nod. You know, like, he might stretch it a little bit. Who cares, though? It's great. You know? <laughs> so tell me what's your favorite joke this year? <clears throat> I love that COVID joke because I've been telling I always tell people my favorite joke is the last one I told that got a laugh. And I don't really stick to anything that's... Uh, I, I open a lot of shows with that because just because it's current and makes it sound like I'm paying attention to the world, which I'm not. <laughs> um, the one thing I did do is I figured out uh, the safe distancing thing. And yeah. I got that down. So that's why I never got it. Yeah, I, 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 the way I do the safe distancing thing is I walk around my dick out. And if you could see it, you're too close. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of new great ones. I, I, you know, this the guy. Guy walks in and his wife's watching television, and she's yelling at the screen, "Don't do it, you moron! Don't go in that church, you idiot! Don't go in that church!" He says, "What are you watching?" She says, "Our wedding video." <laughs> <laughs> I love the silly stuff. I yeah. never can get. I never can get enough of the silly stuff. Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, the one joke I heard in the last year or maybe two years that was brand new to me. Uh, are we allowed to be slightly off color? You go here? wherever you want. <laughs> so a girl goes to the high school prom. Next day, she sends her mother a text. Mom, the prom was great. But now, mom, I'm at the beach and I'm freaking out. I got cum in my hair. 
So her mother sends her back a text, honey, I'm glad the prom was great. Listen, sometimes when you're sucking a guy's cock and he wants to shoot on your face, he'll pull his dick out of your mouth, but honey, they can't really control where that stuff goes. And sometimes some of it goes in your hair by accident, but it's not a big deal. Just jump in the water. It'll wash right out. <laughs> she sends her mother back a text, mom, thanks for the information, but I meant to type gum. <laughs> How great a joke is that? You know, oh, that is just people go nuts. And it sounds like I'm part of this century, which is exciting to me. <laughs> so if I give you a punchline, can you tell me the joke? Sometimes. Block that kick. Oh my God. Oh my God. The uh the the Well, I know it, you know, it can be a marriage joke, but I heard it in 1962 as a, a gay joke. Ah. You know, block that kick, block that kick, you know. So tell the joke. Well, you know, the, the, the two guys are in, uh, I guess the guy's in bed with his wife, you know, let's make it nice. The guy's in bed with his wife and they're, <clears throat> they've been together for a while. And he says, listen, things are a little boring around here. Let's play fart football. She says, what's that? He says, it's fart football. You know, you know, I'll go first. And he goes, ah. six nothing, six nothing. I'm winning. I'm going to go for the extra. Ah. Ah. Seven nothing. I'm winning. I'm winning. Your turn. Ah, all right. She ah, ah. And the wife cuts a fart. She says, seven, six, seven, six. Go for the extra. And she starts to strain. And he runs behind her and sticks his cock in her ass and says, block that kick. <laughs> There's another version of that where the guy's behind the bed with his wife and says, let's play fart football. And he grunts and he farts and he grunts and gets the extra point. And then she grunts and <clears throat> she farts and <clears throat> she gets the extra kick. And then he grunts and he, and he shits the bed. She says, what now? He says, halftime, switch sides. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe there's two jokes about fart football. That's just yeah. so fun. But well, and, and the version I heard was uh, it was flipped, and um, she blocked. She surprises him <laughs> with a block that kick move. <laughs> oh, oh, what what, what she is? <clears throat> she has a strap on. Oh, oh that, see now that's a little more interesting, right? Yeah, you, you never know what they're gonna do, do you? You never know. Yeah. I know what they're gonna do nowadays. There's nothing. <laughs> but uh, you know, so I got laid. How did got laid in so long? I forgot which armpit it's under. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, they did a documentary on me, and I can't wait for you to see it because you're gonna go Let's nuts. See. It's so great. It's called Joke Man, and it was done just before the pandemic kicked in. So of course it laid dead, and then we tried to get into no film joke festival. intended there, eh? No, and uh, <laughs> no, and. Uh, and the film festivals, are, you know, nowadays are so crazy woke, politically correct. You know, is it, is it a trans, uh, is it a translucent director? Is it an Asian guy? Is it a black, you know? And then, no, right. it's about a white guy from a nice neighborhood who tells dick jokes. It just happens to be <laughs> a great rags to riches story, and people will love it. But we haven't got into a film festival. But we had a couple screenings, and people are going nuts. So I think we got it sold to Netflix. I'm not sure yet, but. Brian, I want to take it around and show it. 
you know, because you wouldn't believe, maybe you know this, but it's 20 years since I left that show and people are still interested. Yes. Everywhere I go, they've still got questions. Like I left there a week ago and I want to show the story because I know people are going to see the story and go, wow, that's not how I heard it, you know, and they're going to ask questions and it's going to be fun to show and, and uh, you know, and have p annoying people like you in the crowd to ask bad questions, you know. Well, I'll try my best to do that. That's yeah, I was going to ask Trump if he has any advice on how to handle you. Yeah. <laughs> Block that kick. You know, <laughs> did you watch West Wing? Yes. You know, it's so hard to find something me and my girlfriend can both watch. She doesn't want anything violent. She doesn't want anything where the guys are cheating on their watch. You know, I'm like, honey, you know, something's got to have a little bite. There's no show. But, you know, we, I said, did you ever see it? She had never seen West Wing. Wow. So we started watching from the beginning. And it's just so good. And it's not only good, it's nostalgic. It's hard to believe our country was ever like that, where everybody cared. I mean, and it's patriotic and like, holy, so nostalgic. But I realized that, that that Danny in the press room, that's you. <laughs> that's fucking Brian. Look at Danny. So smart, so interesting, but we, we're not pulling any shit on him. He's got those questions right up your nose, you know? Well, you, you, you just, had to know that at the time, right? I did not know that at the time. But, you know, I, I what, what I remember the West Wing was... It, my nostalgia for it is, gee, that's America as it never was. <laughs> that's, well, or, that, that, or how you want it to be. Right. In, in a in a perfect world, of course. Yeah. Of course. But but it wasn't as far away as it, as it is know, now. Maybe, right. Right. It was. Yeah, I agree. It was within a stone's throw. You know, and then maybe maybe that's a little optimistic. But God, you know. I, I'm optimistic because I'm 73. If I'm not optimistic, you know, I got, why do I even get out of bed in the morning? You know, oh, this is it. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. Well, you know, there's, I, I always wanted to ask you this question and, and full disclosure. Eight inches. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now you already showed me that. Um, <laughs> but uh, full confession, we've done, we, we did it, uh, I think one or two shows together, but there was a, one thing I've always wanted to ask you, and that was, I saw a description of you one time as the human joke machine. And that I don't know if you know, and I'm sure you do, but there was a guy I knew growing up that was referred to as a human joke machine, Maury Amsterdam. Of course. You know what? I have a very interesting story. Um, and, he, and, for those, for, and for those who don't know, Maury Amsterdam played Buddy Sorrell on the Dick Van Dyke show. Right. So that, and he's a guy who, who's a joke teller and he had a million jokes, uh, jokes about everything. And, you know, when you're young or even now, most people don't realize that show business is a show. You know, it's right. all, you know. There are people that think Johnny Carson just walked out there and started talking off the top of his head and he was that funny. And then you learn, no, no, he's got writers. He's reading the car, you know, who cares? He's funny, you're entertained, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> I have remembered jokes forever. Since third grade, my cousin told a dirty joke. It clicked in my head. I've just remembered them all forever and ever. And yeah. I was watching the Tonight Show one night and Maury Amsterdam came out, sat down and Johnny said to him, so Maury, uh, supposedly you got a joke about anything. And Maury says, yeah, give me a subject. And Johnny Carson said, birds. And Maury Amsterdam said, uh, why is a hummingbird hum? Johnny says, I don't know. He says, 
because he doesn't know the words. <laughs> Everybody goes nuts. And he's like, wow, you got a joke. And I'm thinking, look at that. That guy's got a joke about everything. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get so I can do that only with dirty jokes. Okay. Then years later, you realize that, of course, before the show, Johnny says, what subject should I give you? And Maury said, say birds. And he said, Bird. you know, of course, they would never take it. Right. A chance in a million. And I even did the same thing with um, with Bill Boggs on Comedy Tonight. You know, he said, well, I'm going to ask you, can you have a, sub a, a joke on anything? And I said, gave him a subject. And we came back and said, you got a joke on everything. Uh, you know, uh, should I give you a subject? And I said, yeah. And uh, and he said, I think he said hospitals. And and I said, what's the first thing? You, what are the first two things? What are the first two things you learn in the hospital? That's that you're not completely covered by your insurance or your gown. <laughs> <laughs> but then I felt I said, that's that's cheating. Yeah. We set it up. That's like instead of Mickey Mantle hitting a home run, flying over center field and dropping the ball into the bleachers. But it's the same thing if it's entertainment, you know. Right. But yeah, I I supposedly Maury had a million jokes and I, I when I actually first started doing stump joke man before I knew Howard I would play that with my audience I'd say give me a subject but what I, I would do, do is, this if they but no but the, instead of asking me a specific joke if they asked me a subject it was too narrow I would back up the umbrella you know if somebody said uh Caesar salad I'd say okay salad or I'd say okay appetite you know if I didn't right. have something specific I would back up till I had some, but it was interesting. And then developed into Stump the Joke Man. But Stump the Joke Man, is, you know, it's so easy because the jokes that most people are going to ask you are the ones that have been around that everybody knows. Right. You know, it's very rare that, you know, it's so rare that somebody gets me with a new joke. And when they do, I go nuts. And um, I'll tell you a great story. I was on stage with Don. Mark um, Mark Hudson at the Iridium in Manhattan, okay? And he did a thing called Thursdays on the Hudson, and he was with the Hudson Brothers. They were the summer replacement show for Cher, Sonny and Cher, and they had a great show, and, uh, you know, his brother, Billy, is Goldie Horn's ex, and he's right. uh, Kate Hudson's uh, uncle, Elliot. And he would have different people show up at his shows, and I'd get up and tell jokes, and you'd have people from forever ago, you know, Billy J. Kramer or or, wow. or people like that get up and, you know, and, and it's a little, you, you know, the Iridium? I mean, yeah. it's a great little yeah. club. So I told my jokes and after the show, the place is packed and nobody would leave because everybody wanted to stay around and talk and shoot the breeze because they're all fans of, you know, they're all my age and older, you know. So I'm walking off the stage and a guy grabs me and he says, listen, Jackie, I know you've heard every joke in the world. And I do not mean to be a pain in the ass, but I got to try this joke on you. I always wanted to try it on you. I've been a fan for 40 years. I've been to a lot of your shows. And I said, listen, you don't have to give me that whole rigmarole. I would be glad to listen to your, to your joke. And he told me a joke that's so dirty that I don't use it in my act. Oh shit. <laughs> it's not that it's just dirty. It's like just like a joke about Jesus Christ. I do very rarely do that because 
Jesus is just another guy walking around. You know, that, I don't buy into any, any, all the religion you need is doing to others. That's all you need. End right. of story. Jews, Christians, go fuck yourself. Just be, be a good person. That's all we need. <laughs> right. But, but, you know, let people have what they, but if I do a Jesus joke, people are worried they're going to get hit by lightning and I lose them for the next joke because they're not paying attention. And I don't want anything to slow up what I'm doing. So I, they can have the Jesus. I'll skip it. And this joke grabs people so they're like, it, it gets them to where I almost think sometimes they miss the next setup because they're still wallowing in this bad joke. <clears throat> it's so dirty, but I can tell it on terrestrial radio. Go for it. And you could tell this joke to your five-year-old grandson. Too dirty for my act, but you can tell it on the radio. You can tell it to a little kid. Now, that is an odd trifecta, okay? The guy told me the joke. I fell down. He said, you don't have to pretend you haven't heard it. I swear to God, I never heard that before, and I think it is priceless. A girl calls a doctor, and she says, Doc, I got diarrhea. Can I take a bath? He says, if you got enough. <laughs> <laughs> Which the image stays with people and they go wild. And, and you know, and I listened to every drunk, every pothead, everybody late night, bars, parties. I listened to every last person, list everybody's jokes because somebody like that is going to pop up with something. I love telling that story. And it's so disgusting, but it's so funny. <laughs> and also, and it's also a, a litmus test. If somebody doesn't think that's funny, move you know, on. Move on. You know, yeah. Next. You know. I used so. to write down jokes that I liked when I was a kid. I'd write them down and try to remember them. And I remember the first joke that made me do that. And it was it's it's you know, it's almost like a dad joke today, but it's like, what happened when the lady backed into a propeller? Disaster. Disaster. <laughs> right, right. You know, I hate that. I hate the expression dad joke. I, I do hate too. the expression old joke. I hate the expression uh, street joke. People understand a joke is a joke is a joke. Dirty, clean, filthy, whatever. So many versions of every joke. Well, this is an old version. The joke's about, you know, Cleopatra. Now I would tell them about Dolly Parton. Now I would tell them about Madonna, you know. And people thought, oh, that's an old joke. I don't know if you ever thought about this. An old joke is a joke that you have heard before. Yes. A new joke is a joke that you haven't heard before. And that applies to every joke with every single person on the planet. If there's three people stand there and you tell them a joke and two of the people have heard it, they'll go, oh, that's an old joke. But if the other guy hasn't heard it, that's a new joke. Right. Everything is totally individual. You know, like it's so funny because I tell jokes and tell jokes and, and all of a sudden jokes cycle, you know, like all of a sudden a joke pops up that hadn't been around in five years or 15 years or 25 years. And all of a sudden people are telling it. And I, I would, I, I, I just do my act nowadays. Cause I, you know, I don't, I just do what I want to do. But in the old days, I, I wouldn't tell the joke that's kind of circulating because <clears throat> of a joke that I've known since 1955 is all of a sudden out being told locally, I can't tell it. I can tell a half an hour worth of jokes that I know from 1962, 
But if I tell a joke that I know from 1955, but they've been telling it locally, and you tell it, oh, that's an old joke. Right. You know, no. Which is, which is, you know, and that's human nature. But <laughs> yeah. that's that's the well. The, what they're telling you is that you're you're right. When they say, oh, that's an old joke. What they're saying, they're bragging that I knew that. Joke. I I knew that that joke. joke. That's that. not new to me. Uh, surprise me with something that's new. In other words, you know, <clears throat> it's very funny because the definition of a gentleman is somebody who hasn't heard the story. In other words, you're at a party, you're at a bar, and especially like a woman starts telling you a story, a gentleman hasn't heard the story. They will listen and smile and laugh. And same be, you know, if I'm at a party and somebody comes up and tells me a joke, but I can't do that. Because <laughs> if I let somebody finish the joke, they're gonna spend the rest of their life saying, I can't got the joke man, I got him. Yeah, I, I got stumped, him. I stumped the joke man. And then, you know, it really fucked me because Stuttering John got a deal with Atlantic. And then he set me up with a, a meeting with Ahmed Erdogan and Doug Morris in like 1990 or whenever it was. And we went to Atlantic, but Ahmed Erdogan was a guy that loved to tell jokes and he liked to be the funny guy in the room. But I was also known as the guy that knew the jokes. So here I am and every joke he told or started to tell I had to tell him I knew that or else he could have turned to Doug and said, he didn't know all the jokes. Right. But I, but I could tell it annoyed him. So he must have tried eight <laughs> or 10 jokes. He's like, get that fucking guy. <laughs> I <never saw> him. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I thought you were going to make a joke out of the gentleman. You know, I heard the definition of a gentleman was a guy who knew the difference between a spit and a swallow, but that's <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Yeah. You know that, the stories about people trying to stump me are so fun. Uh, Michael Madsen, classic actor. Uh, I was at the Cannes Film Festival at a big, huge party right on the, you know, right on the Mediterranean and billions of dollars. And, and I didn't know him, you know, and he comes walking up to me and he's like, okay, Mr. Joke Man, <laughs> here's one for you. He didn't say five words. I told him the punchline. His mouth dropped, and I said, here's a joke about the same thing, and I destroyed him. And right in the middle of this party, he got down on his knees and goes, I hail you. I hail you. <laughs> the, joke, the joke he started to tell me was, a guy walks into a doctor's office, there's a dog sitting there, and I told him the punchline. And he's like, holy shit. But what happens, the guy goes to the doctor's office and sits down, and there's a dog sitting there, and the dog says, hey, how you doing? Because you could talk? Of course I could talk. He says, you know, I, for years I worked for the CIA because nobody knew I could talk and uh, I could comprehend stuff. And uh, they sent me all over the world. And, you know, I did all kinds of, you know, espionage because it was great. I could go in anywhere. And then uh, I, I was getting a little too old to travel. So they put me in the airport so I could overhear stuff. But, you know, lately, you know, I'm too old for that. So I'm retired now. <laughs> and then the guy gets called in. And he says to the doctor, Jesus Christ, your dog is unbelievable. The doctor says, what are you talking about? He says, he, he, he's unbelievable. The doctor says, listen, he's full of shit. He never did any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so Michael Magic says, the guy goes into the doctor's office, 
and there's a dog sitting there. And I go, yeah, he never did any of that stuff. And he's like, <laughs> And then the joke I told him was the guy's walking along, see a sign, talking dog, $5,000. He goes in and says, hey, listen, I think I'd like to buy the dog, but I need some kind of demonstration. There's no problem, my friend. Fido, what's it feel like when you sit on sandpaper? And the dog goes, rough. Do you know this joke? Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to put you Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So so the guy says, yeah, this is horse crap. And they go, wait, 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 wait. The demonstration's not concluded. Fido, what's on top of a house? Roof. This is, yeah, this is crap. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. The guy says, wait, wait, wait. I have not concluded the demonstration. He's Fido, who is the greatest Yankee ball player of all time? <laughs> Ruth. He says, This is horse shit. I'm out of here. Bapangul. And he leaves. And the dog turns to the owner and says, Who was it? Fucking DiMaggio? <laughs> <laughs> and Madsen went. I think I should have said DiMaggio. I always <laughs> imagine that. That's such a great, great, great joke. You know. I always especially, imagine especially that when the Yan- yeah, the Yankees. I always imagine that in Rodney's voice. Oh, you think I should have said DiMaggio? You know. <laughs> Well, anything in his voice, you know, yeah. it's so great. You know, the so, funniest thing he ever said to me, we're in the spring break of 1980. We are walking along the beach in Fort Lauderdale. This is 1980. Every college in the world, this was still going to Fort Lauderdale for yes. spring break. And there were wall to wall to wall college girls in bikinis. And like the sweat is leaping off his brow and out of, out of a clear blue sky, he just turned to me and he said, don't you wish you could just fuck anybody you wanted? <laughs> <laughs> Holy don't shit. Joke. It was just a comment. I was like, yeah, but do you really need to say that out loud? <laughs> said, of course, you fucking silly dude. Uh, so fun, so fun. So- we're gonna so, wait, tell me about this show. This is- uh, hold on, hold that thought. We're gonna take a short break, pay the bills. We'll be right back. Hey, you, yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. Seriously, as you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we're back. It's just ask the question, and we are with Jackie Martin. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I was, you know, but what I is this question? Just ask the question. Just what ask the, the que- question. Just the question. Well, the que- you know, the just ask the question is it comes from what Helen Thomas told me when I was uh, first time I was in the White House. She said, "Listen, Brian, it doesn't matter if they answer the question. It doesn't matter what the question is. Just ask the question. That way, they can't deny." that it's been put on the record. So I use that as a guide mark to whenever I'm in the briefing room 
and I apply it to, you know, all the politicians I've ever covered, but it also serves well in a bunch of other things, you know, just ask the question, Hey, it says the bridge is out. <laughs> I shouldn't drive across. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, once you, once you put it on the table, it's there. If somebody chooses to ignore it, it's not that you forgot to say it or ask right. it. It's because they chose to ignore it, you know? And I've always found that it also works well in comedy and in music too. <laughs> Just ask the question. Say, why is that shit on top of your head? You know, I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> did you know that the pigeon was there? I don't know. But that's, so uh, that's, I love that. That's been my guiding principle. So let, let me ask you this Do you know the joke about the two statues in the park? No. So the two statues in the park staring at each other for thousands of years. And one day, God comes down and brings them to life. And there's a male statue and a female statue. And he says, do you want to do what I want to do? And she says, oh, you know I do. So he grabs her by the hand and they run off. And then they come back a half hour later. And he, he's like, let's rest up and, and then do it again. She says, OK, but this time, you hold the pigeons and I'll shit on them. <laughs> <laughs> she was joking about pigeons. You said pigeons. I had to show a little bit of my uh, bread. A little there, bit of my bread. Well, uh, here's one. I'll give you a subject. You got a joke. Pillows. I had a dream last night that I ate a giant marshmallow, and when I woke up, my pillow was gone. <laughs> That's like one of the first jokes I ever heard. <laughs> That's so bad. That's so bad. <laughs> but it's, it's, as silly as this, funny. It is. Well, I, I got to tell you my um, my one Rodney uh, story. I was with uh, a friend of mine, Bill King, and he was doing Rodney's Room uh, up in New York. And so it was like 2 o'clock. I knew. I worked with Bill King in Washington, D.C. Yeah. many times. Yeah. So Bill and I were in uh, in New York and he's got like a two o'clock slot for five minutes at, at Dangerfields. And he gets up and <laughs> right as he's getting ready to go on, who walks into the club, but Rodney. And he's got a woman on each arm and he's asking everybody for blow. You got any blow? You got any? And, Is this at Dangerfields or catch or? At Dangerfields. At Dangerfields. And um, so <laughs> Bill says, uh, oh, hey, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney, uh, would you like to come up here and do a few minutes? And Rodney goes, shut up, kid. You're doing fine. Hey, who's got the blow? Who's got the blow? <laughs> oh, that's great. <clears throat> I, you know, are you, is he still with us? Is he fine? Is he alive He's, and well? Uh, Bill is with us. Uh, I don't know how well he is, but he is, he's alive. He was, I got a call one time from the secret service and, uh, and, and uh, uh, Bill had apparently this, he had, um, he had to get checked into a, a, a hospital because he uh, was, he had gone to a local uh, fire station and told them that, um, that there was a, you know, a bomb and that only he knew how to disarm it and that and that he had the secret to curing all the ills and that and that there were only two people that he had left this secret with and one was Roger Mercick, another comedian who and, I know with the red yeah, hair. Yeah. And and me. So I'm going, ah, Bill, thanks. You know, <laughs> thanks a lot. That's <laughs> I could have done. How long ago is it? 
that was about uh, 10, 15 years ago. And it was at the same time, <laughs> he had, he, he went through a real big bout of depression. And um, he, he said, I, I you know, I'm, you know, he's told this publicly, so I have no problem repeating it. But he said, you know, he was thought about killing himself. And he, he sat at his, um, in his living room and he wrote a note and he goes, um, you know, I, I thought I'd just take a lot of pills and drink bourbon. And he said, and then I thought, well, what if my children found me first and they would go, Oh God, dad, what did we do wrong? And then he said, and then I thought, what if my parents found me and they would go, how, Oh God, how do, how do we go wrong with our son? And he goes, then I thought if my wife found me, she'd go, I'll take the, I'll take the uh, lamp. I'll take the, I'll take, <laughs> and I'm going, well, Jesus. I got a bit. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, Jesus, Bill, you're doing a bit. <laughs> you're writing. Yeah, you're, you're writing. I'll take the lamp. I'll take the rug. I'll take the. <laughs> Who's the guy that's on the air with the last name King? Got me. Uh, on CNN or on. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yes. Because he looks like Bill King. He looks King. like Bill King, but he's not related. He has that same huge nose, you know, like, <laughs> because me and King used to, we worked a couple weekends together and had so much fun. We worked with a guy that was so bad. And we had such, it's such a bonding thing for two comedians yes. when the third comedian sucks, which is so, it's so third grade clickish, shitty. And he was such a nice guy. But this guy would, bomb for a half hour he wouldn't get a laugh and then he go good night ladies and gentlemen like he like Bruce get killed. and <laughs> we we just would laugh and laugh and laugh and i i bet you to this day if i called him right now and said good night ladies and gentlemen he'd fall down but uh, <laughs> that's a, so is that where you're from washington dc well that no not originally but that's where of course i've been for covering white houses since uh reagan so but... you knew a lot of the characters down there oh like, yeah uh, yeah. Like how far back did they like Ron Zimmerman or of Glenn course. Farrington? Yes. Really? That, those are my boys. Me and Ron Zimmerman are very, very close to this day. I got so many great stories about that character. And, and you Jeff, know, he was dating, you knew he was dating Cher, right? That I did not know. Zimmerman and Cher were an item on and off for like five years. Wow. Oh, he's such a character. And Glenn, you know what happened to Glenn Farrington? No. Do you know who it is? Yes. Glenn Farrington was doing comedy magic, came to New York. I actually gave him his first gig at a place called Mustache Pete's. He wasn't doing so hot. So he's thinking, well, let me spread my wings. What could I do? He sees an ad almost, I don't know, was it a help wanted ad, variety, wherever it was, says, we need somebody to do our comedy bulletin board for our startup. So he took the job and did the comedy bulletin board for this new startup, AOL. Oh, wow. He made so much, so much, so much money, cashed out. He's on a tour or something where he, he took a cruise and he had so much stock and he wanted to check his stock and he couldn't check his stock on this cruise. And he came up with a way so that he could check his stock on a cruise ship which I guess they still use to this day and made the same amount of money. He is crazy, crazy wow. wealthy. He's a good guy. He's an old friend. He still likes me because I gave him his first gig, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, But it's all those people down there. So you knew Harry from, from yeah. the uh, 
Oh, of course. And Jeff Penn and Jeff Penn. Yeah. Right. Now, you know that me being with Howard stemmed from Garvin's. Did you know that? No, that I did not know. I was working Garvin's and Harry said to me, Jackie, there's this crazy guy that used to do broadcasts in his underwear from the club on Fridays in the morning. And he just got fired by this radio station, DC 101. And he's moving ah. to WNBC in New York. You should look him up because I bet you he would love you. And I got home to New York. I never heard of the guy, knew nothing. And me and my future ex-wife, and that's not a joke, my literally future <laughs> ex-wife, put my three comedy LPs <clears throat> in a thing and mailed them to Howard like we had mailed them to everybody we ever met. And like a couple of months later, he called me up and said, wow, man, you know every joke in the world. You want to come in and hang out on the air? And I went in and I sat down with Howard and Robin and Fred and we left for four hours and he said, you know what? You're a lot of fun. Why don't you come back next week? Wow. And I came back once a week for free for three years. <clears throat> and then we went to mornings and the Beatles of radio went to fucking Pluto. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. All because of Harry Montecrusos. <laughs> well, you, you know who I met through him was Richard Jenny. Rich Jenny. And he, I worked with Rich Jenny so long ago that I was the headliner and Jenny was the middle act. Wow. He, now he, we, we did a tour of the South, you know, like Atlanta and Columbia. Uh, you know, he was a character, but, not, but Jenny was a Brooklyn guy. Yeah. I met him and uh, Bill Hicks through, uh, through, through Garmin's. And that was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And Bill really? and, and uh, Bill King were friends. Bill Hicks. Oh, is Bill that right? Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know Hicks very well. He was in a movie with him. I don't know if you ever heard of that movie, Comedy's Dirtiest Dozen. Yeah. It's very interesting. You know, Tim Allen, Chris Rock, Otto and George. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well here's, here's a question I've asked every comedian. At the end of a set, at the end of the night, you're done. There's three or four comedians that have done the show. You find yourself at a diner somewhere. That, to me, was the funnest part of the gig just sitting around and cracking each other up three or four that, <clears throat> you know that disappears i remember robin williams said one of the worst things about getting mork and mindy and getting famous was he missed the car which is essentially the same thing yeah yeah sometimes you do gigs and they'll wind up at the diner but a lot of gigs you were far away and you drove so together you drove i mean we would be so drunk by the time we got there I remember Bob Woods one night, there were like, we were four or five of us in the car. And he goes, you know, when you know you're a comedian, it's the fourth night in the week that you're on the George Washington Bridge and it's totally normal. And it was true. Like everything was in Jersey and, you know, you're driving there, driving back, laughing in the car, going wild, you know. No, there was a guy in the car with us one time, this guy, Pete Fogel, total asshole. <laughs> and I do old jokes, which I have always, always, always done. But meanwhile, in the car, going there, coming back, you know, I, I basically held court, you know. I'm, I'm the, usually the fun, I don't care if it's pompous, I'm usually the funniest guy in the room, which didn't sit well with Howard, of course. <laughs> and we're on the way to a gig or something one day, and Pete Fogel goes, Jackie, did you ever have an original thought in your life? And Bob Woods, this big fat guy, he died years ago. He turned around and said, Fogel, if Martling never opens his mouth again, he wins anyway. 
You know, like in other words, <laughs> I've said enough funny shit for yeah. a million lifetimes, you know. But the, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. And sitting around in the diner and, you know, and, you know. And you come up with bits there. You start cracking each other up and so, so somebody's going, oh, I got to remember that. <laughs> you know, and once in a blue moon, I would come and have to do a benefit or do something at that show because when I was on the Stern show, you know, I'm going to Chicago or I'm going to Denver and I'm headlining and maybe the opening act is the local DJ or they get somebody, you know, I didn't travel with anybody cause I was, you know, I was packing them in because of the radio show. So it wasn't a hang. And then you wind up going to the diner with the guys and you realize like, you know, for all the money I'm making and as famous as I'm getting, you, you really miss that, you know, cause it's a whole, you know, it's a whole bonding session because as much as we yeah. hung out on the air, me and Fred and, and Howard and Rob, we never went out and had a meal afterwards. You know what I mean? Even when we were on the road, you know, me and Fred would go and watch Howard eat dinner and then go back to our room. The closest we came was me and Stuttering John would go and have lunch and, you know, he dragged me to the Friars Club so I could pay. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's the but, worst place you ever did a gig? Oh, there's so many bad ones. <laughs> the, I, I like how you said it. There's so many bad ones. They're all, you know, but it's so funny because those are the ones you remember. Yeah, and it's so crazy because you know the old thing is, hey, did you hear Brian Karam knocked him dead in Cincinnati? No. Hey, did you hear Richie Minervini knocked him dead in Maine? No. Hey, did you hear Jim Myers really laid a bomb in Fort Lauderdale? Oh no, yeah. No, no, but tell me about it. Tell me about yeah. it. Tell me about it. You know, because everybody loves to wallow in, in Schadenfreude. You know. But a guy who's a just a total asshole booking agent from Boston, uh, uh, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to get myself in trouble. Bill right. Blumenreich. <laughs> you want to say that again? You don't want to say that again. Don't say it again. Go ahead. Bill Blumenreich. Bill. Yeah. He just a, a, real, a real putz. But he, you know, he got guys gigs and he's been booking shows there forever. And he used to book me. He's an all right guy, but you know, he's a, very full of himself. He's one of those guys that I think it really upset him that he could never be a comic and could never be funny. So he wore like three Rolexes and, you know, this is how much money I've got. Yeah, but you can't make anybody laugh. Shut up, you know. Yeah. But he got me a gig. It was the highest paying gig I ever had. Which isn't that high paying when you're talking about dice and salmon, you know, but it was right. like $45,000 for a show, one show on a New Year's Eve in Boston. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is unbelievable. And I show up and it's a big, boomy, like a, not a boardroom. It's too big to be a boardroom, like, a, like almost like a wedding room. Wow. And there were about six big round tables with maybe eight or 10 people at each of these tables, <clears throat> no back area. So I'm in the back of the room waiting and they bring me up and I walk up and it's a, it's risers, you know, like risers, like a chorus, yeah. but, but shaky risers. Okay. So like not gravity, gravitationally, you know, not like shaky, not stable, like, not stable. And there's a microphone stand and the microphone is in the microphone stand. They don't introduce me. <clears throat> so I just have to walk through the crowd from the back. No lighting, just a, a bit like a gymnasium with the lights, you know, and they're just done with dinner. All right, go on, go on now. No, I go up. up. I go, 
I go up there. No, no, just, you know, go tell them who you are. Hi, I'm Jackie Martling. Yeah. I start to talk. Hi, I'm, I, I it's nice to be here. I, I'm, it was an intermittent microphone. Oh Lord. And it was the classic check boxes of no lights, bad sound system, shaky microphone, unstable stage, people spread out, <clears throat> and they, they were mobsters. Oh, With fuck. No, <clears throat> no sense of humor. I'm sure they're there with their wives or the, I don't know. And I don't know what happened for the next 30 or 40 minutes. I really don't know what wow. happened. I just, because even when the microphone's working, you're waiting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're waiting. Well, it was hard, and it was very hard to tell when it was working and when it wasn't. And then I got done. They loved me. Oh, they loved you. You know, they raved about you. It was fantastic. I think I got 45 grand in cash. And it was like, I, so I, I guess on some level that had to be the best gig I ever had. Well, but it was the worst gig. I mean, if I, you talk about sometimes on stage, time stands still. Yes. I know. Time didn't stand still. It backed up. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, <laughs> You know, like, like I, I said, ex, 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 exit stage left, you know, what yeah, I mean? exit stage left. Snagglepuss. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I asked Kathy Griffin that question. She said she had a uh, uh, she was up on stage one time and the sound went out and her husband had to hold a, a, a bullhorn. And she did the she did the her whole set through a bullhorn. <clears throat> and I, I can't my mine was uh, Hershey. I went with Bill. I was middling for Bill. We went up to a club in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And they, it was, you're playing down two sides of a bar. The bar was like right in the middle. I had turned, uh, which was a planter, you know, it was in the corner of a room that was kind of shaped around and they had taken the plants out, put in planks. So it was wobbly. I, no I, I totally get you. you know. <laughs> yeah. And the door to the kitchen opened every 10 seconds and would smack the comedian in the face. Oh, that, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and I don't think, you know, they try and make movies about stand-up or anything, but they never include those classic, classic things like that or that are just... No, they don't. Are just, so, just so wonderfully horrible, you know, that, that, that you really can't make it up. And, you know, and then you're throwing the guys fucking with each other. Yeah. It, was, it was just, you know... Now, Chip Franklin tells us, do you know Chip? From uh, San Francisco. Used to be a DC comic. Worked at Garments quite a bit. I... God, that name rings a bell, you know, but I, you know. Small world, like, large world. Right, right, so, right, right. What's, uh, I'm going to ask you your favorite Rodney story. Well, you know, my favorite Rodney story has been around the block a million times, so you probably know it already, right? Go for it. Well, <clears throat> I've told this story so many times, and it, it, it the more... The, any story, the more backstory, but forget the backstory. It's 1980, and I'm with him at spring break. Well, and, that, yeah, the and, one you... Yeah, same trip, and then we flew to Las Vegas. He was on vacation with his daughter and his son and me, and his daughter's friend Debbie, and we're down there for a week in Fort Lauderdale just having the time of our lives, which is an, a whole novel. Yeah. And then we flew to Las Vegas, and he's headlining at the Aladdin. And 
he's co-headlining. He's actually headlining, but the other act was Paul Williams and his orchestra. Wow. And Paul Williams was in love with Rodney because Rodney insisted on opening the show. He said, of course, the, you know, the comedian, then the, mo- then the music, you know, of course. I, you know, I'm not going to follow a fucking orchestra. Well, you know, don't be silly. You know? <laughs> but Paul Williams thought it was very, you know, very uh, sweet of Rodney to offer to open, which, which made everybody won. So we wound up doing Coke with Paul, and that's all <laughs> that story. <clears throat> so at the time, the Aladdin Hotel is next door to the MGM Grand. This is like six months before the MGM Grand burnt to the ground. So the MGM Grand is next to the Aladdin, but even though it's next to it, on Las Vegas Boulevard South, the, the hotel that's next to the next hotel is a long ways away. You know what I mean? It's a healthy walk to get to the next hotel. Right. So there's nobody well, in town. If you look at, if you look in nine, spring 1980 was one of the gas strikes. When people were in line, uh, sometimes, you know, you got to get gas on Monday and my name, I got to get gas on Tuesday. It was like, I mean, people weren't even going across the street, let alone driving to Las Vegas. So it was a ghost town. You know, his, his shows were like one third full, which was unheard of. But I'm in Las Vegas with Ronnie Dangerfield. So I'm like, I died and went to heaven. You know, all I could drink everything, just on the arm, you know. <clears throat> so he gets done with his second show and he goes, hey, let's get the fuck out of here. Come on, let's go. Let's go to the MGM. So we walk out of the Aladdin and we walk down to the MGM Grand, which is a healthy walk. And we get there and it is a morgue. There's nobody there. There's no hookers. There's no, it's just a morgue. And this was so funny because the maitre d', Rodney must have known him for 20 years or something. And the maitre d' called Rodney Roger Danglefoot. And every time he said it, I laughed. And every time... He said it, Rodney got a little bit more pissed, which was just, and I'm drunk, just, and this is, this is entertainment, right? So let's get the fuck out of here. Let's get the fuck out of here. So we're walking back to the Aladdin, and it's really late at night, and we are coked up, and we are drunk, and we are stoned, and, you know, I'm, you know, trying to make light and keep things laughing, you know, but it's a shut the fuck up, you know. And in my memory, you know, things get glistened, though, like the sun's coming up, and, you know, you know, Las Vegas, it's cold at night. You know, even yeah. though it was probably April, it might even be, you know, whatever it was, it was cold. And we're walking along and we're just about to Aladdin. And he says to me, you got to take a leak? And I said, well, you know how much I drink. I, I can always piss. Was, Come on. And instead of going into the Aladdin and going into the men's room like a couple of human beings, we walked behind the Aladdin where the dumpsters were. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Brian... The dumpsters were the size of a small McDonald's. It's a major yeah. Las Vegas hotel, these huge dumpsters. And he walks up to one of the dumpsters and takes it out and starts pissing on the dumpster. What am I going to do? I'm over here. I take it out. And now I'm pissing on this dumpster. And here's the two of us standing there pissing on these dumpsters. And he turns to me and he goes, welcome to the big time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the classic. classic yeah. show. Uh, welcome to I the said, big time. I said, you know how many times I'm going to tell that story? I have a fucking party. What do I care? I've <laughs> told that story a million times. It's just it's Debellis tells a, a a similar story. Uh, or although Debellis tells a story about him and Seinfeld, and I I can't remember who else uh, that were in a car because Rodney was the only one making money, 
and you know he was the only comedian you know that had money and they were all young and up and coming and he goes come on fellas i'll give you a ride so they're they're riding with rodney and um he he was a little drunk a little coked up little, yeah and drove up on the sidewalk and ran to a hot dog vendor and uh <laughs> the cops pull up and they surround him and Debellis is going, we're all going to jail. Christ, you know, <laughs> we're all going to jail. And they walk up and they see it's Rodney. And Rodney goes, hey, fellas, here, here, pay for the hot dog vendor stand. And uh, here's some tickets to the show. Uh, take care of yourself. And, and the, so the cops who loved him stuck their head in the uh, car and said, uh, Rodney, um, thanks. Uh, look, next time, do you think you can uh, keep it on the street, not on the sidewalk? Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> oh, my God, that's just fucking... I mean, that's horrible, but it's great. Yeah, oh, I mean, great. he didn't hit the vendor, the person. He hit the, you know, the hot dog vending right, machine. Right, right, right. But the, you know, the foul's still there. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like show business, man. You get away with murder, you know. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So, you know. we're going to take another... <laughs> We'll take another short break and we'll come back. I could do this all day. <laughs> so we'll be right back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. With us today is the infamous and famous and very funny Jackie Martling. And I Jack- want to say something before you say another word. Okay. The other day I did the Mark Simone show, which I'm diametrically opposed to politically because I hate Trump and the whole gang. But me and Mark go back so far. We go back to when the bitter end was called the other end for a few years. And me and wow. Mark and Henny Youngman's grandson used to get drunk together. I was hosting the show at the other end in like 1985 or something. So I call into his radio show. We don't talk politics. I tell jokes. And the other day I said, you know what, Mark, I'm going to give out my email address. I love hearing from people and people always bitch and moan and I, I straighten them out about stuff. So I gave out my email address and I got a couple hundred emails. So I'm giving out my email address. If any of your listeners or viewers or whoever they are, my email, now get ready to make fun of me, is jokeland at AOL.com. A- AOL? You still have yeah. AOL? Well, Mark Simone can't make fun of me because he's on AOL too. <laughs> <laughs> it's jokeland, J-O-K-E-L-A-N-D at AOL.com. I answer every email. I'd love to hear from anybody. And uh, and Even that's the, the end of the threats? commercial. <laughs> huh? Even the death threats? Yeah, but I send them to myself because I got no fans. You know, I got to... And I also keep tweet jokes. I tweet jokes every day at 4.20 p.m. International Marijuana Time. Oh, there so you at, at Jackie Martling on Twitter. That's fun, you know. But yeah, it is. Well, you know, I I I joke, but you know, it's been a year without death threats, and I feel much better. And jo- you know, jokes and comedy. There, you know, I had a little box I put out long before I met you. That <clears throat> if you push the nose, it told a joke, and I had a couple of different. Uh, there was an old version that I did with George Slatter from Laughing. That's how long ago that was, and then another one. <clears throat> but it's the greatest little gadget. You push the button and it tells a filthy joke. 
one at a time. Just a great, great thing. And there was a guy who had a place in Manhattan uh, called Brunelli. His name was Russ Brunelli. And his place was Brunelli's. And it was like, a, you know, a mobbed up thing. And this is right when every Italian in, in New York was a producer, an actor, a director, slash, 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 mobs, you know. And every Wednesday night at Brunelli <clears throat> was a networking thing. But it was so fun because everybody and I did a lot of these little movies and all, everybody was so full of shit. But it was really great. <laughs> and Russ Brunelli is the greatest guy in the world. And he'd get up and play the harmonica. Tony, uh, Tony Bennett's daughter, Antonia, would get up and sing. And Steve Grillo from the Stern Show was the bartender. So that's how I knew him. So this guy, Russ, was great. So I give him all my Jackie stuff. I give him CDs and blah, blah, blah. And this little box with, with the jokes. So one night, I don't know if you know the bar business, but in the bar business, Worked if a bunch of bartenders come down into your bar, even after closing time, you serve them. Yeah. You know, you lock the door, but the guys from the other bar, you serve them. It's just like an unwritten law, which I got my ass kicked once because I couldn't understand why I couldn't get a drink, but the other guys could, but it was, right. you know. <clears throat> so Russ is about to close one night and four or five guys from a couple bars down from the Irish bar come in and they're drunk. The place is empty. He's about There's to close. A <laughs> and, they're, and they're gonna, and so they're sitting in the big round table right by the plate glass window and they're drunk. Hey, Russ, guy, come on, I got a couple of fucking beers over here, buddy. And so Russ is bringing them beers. You know, you don't want to upset the apple cart and he's bringing beers and he's taking care of these guys and, you know, you know, don't let the door hit you on the ass, but you don't want to force him out. He's got it on eggshells here. And all of a sudden they start to argue. And one guy's like, leave him alone. He's bringing us drinks. No, fuck you. He should be getting us drinks. Russ, get us drinks. Leave him alone. And they start fighting among themselves. And Russ knows damn well that at any second, these guys are going to be in a world war, beating the shit out of each other, Somebody's going to go through the plate glass window. The place is going to be destroyed. And then two minutes later, they're going to be hugging each other and saying, I love you. Let's go get a drink somewhere else. So he doesn't know what the fuck to do. He gets inspired. And he brings out my little box with the jokes. And here's these drunken Irishmen yelling and screaming and trying to start a fight. And he puts the box right in the middle of the table. Now he has no idea what's going to play. If it had to play an Irish joke, He'd, he'd probably be dead right now. But they're all sitting there and he puts the thing right in the middle of the thing and he hits the button. And the little box goes, what's the difference between Neil Armstrong and Michael Jackson? Neil Armstrong was the first guy to walk on the moon and Michael Jackson likes to fuck little boys in the ass. <laughs> and these guys like had no, like what the, they had no idea. And Russ, without even thinking about it, he pushed the button again. Another joke told by that time the setup was just about done. They forgot they were arguing. They forgot that they were fighting. And he, he said that little box, he, he to this day, he says it saved his bar. And then, you, know, <laughs> you know, it's just like distraction, you know, comedy, you know, playboy, you know, you know, fuck fighting. Can you get me into the, you know, <laughs> fuck fighting. Can we laugh? That's yeah, the. That's well, you know, I'll, I'll tell, well, you reminded me of my favorite Irish priest story, but, and I'll tell, this one's true. I was a, um, I was an altar boy 
Not like your other true stories. This one actually happened. Yeah, this one actually <laughs> happened. Unlike the other true stories, this one actually happened. So I was, uh, I was an altar boy, and every Sunday at noon, every boy that was an altar boy wanted this one priest. Father O'Malley will call him. He was a nice Irishman. And that's because he was a drunk. And we would steer him up to the pulpit, and he'd do his sermon. And he was always very brief on, on Sunday at noon because sports was coming on. He wanted to go watch college sports. Louisville or Kentucky or he didn't care he just wanted to go watch sports so one day after you know the readings he gets up and he says hi as we saw today in the in the gospel you know Jesus was a fine lad and so were all the saints let's get on with it and that was it that was his whole sermon so at the end I'm cleaning up and he's sitting there cleaning up and this guy walks up to him and says father he says I, I gotta tell you he goes you know I'm really disappointed and you got to treat your flock better you know, you know, that was a short sermon. You got to tend to your flock better than that. And he says, what's your name? And he goes, well, you know, I'm, I'm Bobby Jones. I, I know, I know. And what do you do for a living? He goes, well, you know, I'm a tax attorney. I, I do. And, and then he says, and, uh, and where do you live? He goes, well, you know, I live over here on Bash. I have that big house with eight bedrooms and all those children. He goes, well, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of kids. And he says, uh, so let me tell you something, boyo. I've given up wine, women, and song for me, Faith. What have you given up? You keep your pecker in your pants. You let me worry about me flock. And, <laughs> and you heard him say that? Yeah. Well, I'm laughing so hard, and this guy just bolts. He's out of there. Oh. And the priest turns and looks at me and says, Boyo, you can be absolutely right about a thing at the absolute wrong time. And I'm going, ah, what the fuck do you know? You're a priest. Get out of here. So <laughs> the next day... I'm playing, uh, you know, I'm taking piano lessons and sister Mary Catherine, I can't keep time with a metronome to save my life. And right. she hits me on the wrist with a ruler. And I looked at her and I said, that's why they ought to let you people get laid. And Whoa. she came from <laughs> Southern Alabama, swung across the Appalachian, slapped me right across. The oh. I hear this laughter and the, I hear the father, he says, sister, may I see out in the Call for a second. So he goes down the hall. He sticks his head in about 30 seconds later. He says, Boyo, what did I tell you? You can be absolutely right about a ting at the absolute wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's I've been great. telling that one for years. I'll never forget that one. That's what when you when that left your mouth, did you realize, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, can I grab it and put it? Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> can I take, but you know, you can't take the words back. And, and I got slapped for it. But that's. <laughs> you hit you with the pent up thing. Yeah. That was what's funny is uh, later I heard that there was John Kennedy when he was president had a contingent of, of bishops and a contingent of nuns waiting to see him. And he's talking to Evelyn Lincoln, his secretary, and she goes, which one do I let in? He goes, let the nuns in. The bishops all vote Republican anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know. So here we cruise in. Here we go. We're going to cruise into 2022. Comedically, or you know, as, as the comedian among us, what would you like to see happen in 2022 in the United States? Uh, you know, magically... Where was it? Now I don't know where it was. In Japan, magically, the COVID has gone away. It went from 15,000 cases a day to 60 cases a day. And it's totally unexplained. And, um, you know, and that it, 
way back in the worst thing I ever did in my life was read the great epidemic of 1917. Yeah. Which was the scariest book in the world. And it was published in 2005 and the epilogue, the epilogue in 2005 describes what we've gone through last couple of years. Yeah. But at some point that, that, epidemic ended because there was no no place else for the virus to go and i guess well, that happened it in into a less lethal version right of it. i don't know i don't know what it could take because the way it's replicating and the fact that people won't get vaccinated which is you know i if we're if we have a wish list i wish that somebody will sprinkle fairy dust and all of a sudden everybody will go you know what maybe it would make a good idea maybe it would be a good idea to get vaccinated um because, you know, the, all the things I would love in 2022, the main thing I would like is for the stupid thing to go away because it's a hard enough world without the pandemic. You yeah. Know? But I, I wish people would keep laughing, you know, and it's ridiculous as it is, you know, I, you know, I feel like Rodney King, you know, why can't we all just get along, you know, agree to disagree and, you know, that, but that's there's nothing funny about that. I, you know, uh, you know, the truth of it is, I wish uh, my dig my dick would get a lot bigger, but that's not that's a little bit selfish, you know. <laughs> and if, if they're going to bother to make it bigger, well, only it, masturbating well, constantly. <laughs> yeah, while they're at it, they can make it work again, you know. But uh, <laughs> they got pills for that, Jackie. They you know that you, that's a great priest joke where the, the kid goes to confession, and the priest says, "What's your problem, son?" He says, "Father, all I do is jerk off. I jack off. I wake up in the morning. I jerk off. I jerk off. I jerk off. I eat some breakfast and then jerk off and then have lunch and I jerk off and jerk off. All I do is jerk off. I never stop jerking off." He says, "Son, you know what? I think I better talk to you. Go out and sit in the pew out there, and I'll be out to talk to you." And there's a lady out there, and she puts down a box next to the kid. She comes in and says, "Oh, father, I use the Lord's name in vain." And you know, and I cursed at my husband. He said, okay, we'll say a few Hail Marys. That's okay. Okay, we can go now. And she says, oh, Father, I, uh, I have a present for you. I made you some homemade chocolate chip cookies. And they go out and the kid's sitting there and the box is open and the box is empty. <laughs> and she says, where are the chocolate chip cookies? And the kid says, I ate them. The priest says, why'd you eat them? Kid says, I was bored. I had nothing to do. The priest says, why didn't you jerk off? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wish we all would get along. I, you know, uh, I hope that uh, we don't lose the, you know, the Senate and, and the House and all that as far as that. Um, I, 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 I am not a pessimist, Brian. But I honestly think that we missed the boat with the with the climate change. Short of somebody coming up with a ridiculous solution of, you know, you know, turning air into food and turning carbon dioxide, you know, some crazy, crazy, crazy game changer. I think we're in very, very big trouble. And I don't care. I'm I'm old. You know, I I, I could be dead by the end of this interview, but I worry. I got twins. You know, Quint, my sister's got twin grandchildren, and I'm like, what are we handing them? You know, I worry about but, that. I worry about what we're handing. I have one grandson, and I worry about what's he going to grow up. But as long as he can laugh, 
I think that's, that absolutely, you know, and uh, it reminds me of the priest joke I heard the other day. The okay. guy, walks, guy walks into confessional and says, bless me, father, for I have sinned. And the priest says, ah, what do you hear what I did? <laughs> you know you know the, the guy goes to confession and he walks in and there's like a couple of playboys and there's a bottle of bourbon and there's a couple of rails of cocaine sitting there and the guy goes wow confession sure has changed the priest says get the fuck out of there that's my side <laughs> i don't know so I, to tell you the truth, I never knew that you did stand-up. Did you do it for a long time, a little time, a lot of time? Well, we thanks, because we did a couple of gigs together. But <laughs> so. No, 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 no. I didn't, but I didn't know that you had done it. Yeah. No, no, I didn't know that you actually had done it. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of times people pick it up later in life, you know. No, I first went on stage when I was about 20, and it was uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, at a, 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 um, a com comedy store there. And Shirley's. Yes, yes, you know the place. <laughs> hey, I worked them all, you know. You know, I got one of my best heckler lines from Shirley's. Yeah. There's a big, huge, fat broad sitting on the aisle. <clears throat> and there was a guy, you know, people heckle and somebody yells something out. You kind of ignore them because you can't, you got to pick and choose your spots. About the third time he yelled out, this big, fat broad turned around and said to him, if we wanted to hear you, we'd have went to your house. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just the most disarming, unbelievable thing. No, I actually didn't know that you actually yeah. did the whole thing. I thought maybe you had picked it up and that's how you met the Bellas. Or, well, you know, I, I met John uh, at a book signing here in the uh, D.C. area and uh, about 10 years ago when he was uh, stand-up guys, his book. And uh, right, 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 right. But Bill and I, uh, Bill and I had a room at a, uh, um, <laughs> it sounds <laughs> it, it really innocuous. We had a room at the Holiday Inn. We, 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 <laughs> we, we in did, DC? Uh, in Gaithersburg, outside of DC. And then we worked the, you know, worked the area. And so I, I did that for a, a, a while, but I was never more. That was a while, a month, a year, five years? Oh, 10, 15. That's years. Know, yeah. But, oh, so you did you so you were dug in you know yeah. you meet somebody who's a who's got uh you know a representative of playboy sitting in the white house asking the president questions you don't assume that the he opened with 15 years of comedy <laughs> yeah. you know me we like you and i never sat and discussed it yeah so it's not like you said it and i forgot it no, so no. you know all, you know where all those or maybe bodies. i said it and forgot it that's that's more likely <laughs> all those bodies my my god so you knew you knew Dan, the Marine, with his place above the strip oh house. My God, all of well, that's where Chip and I, uh, Franklin. I was saying he. I met him. I think it was at Garmin's, but I mean, we go back and we, you know, it was uh, when I, I I got out of it for a, a long time, and then uh, Bill and I, I met Bill. I was coaching his kid in football, and he got me back into it, and so that was you know, and then I would do it for, you know, two three times a week, and and it was fun but it, it you know i was I, i'm always the writer and i i perform music and i like stand-up because well, the, of the two it's easier to get an audience back if you lose them in music next song you can get them back you lose an audience when when you're telling jokes whoo you may not you may not get them back it's, it's right either you get them back right away or or you can you know that that's a a winding tunnel going down, you know, I mean, uh, 
Now, I didn't know you did music. What? Because I do music. That's where yeah, I came I from. Do. I, uh, we just had a gig Saturday night. Uh, the band, the Rhythm Bandits, we're out all over the area. And we. I know. I know. This is in DC. Yep. Yeah, oh, that's come out with the know, see, we don't know anything about each other. This <laughs> <laughs> is like the Discovery Channel. So, did you travel? I mean, like to Philadelphia? I did a couple of gigs in Philly. Uh, with well, usually it was Bill and I traveling. I would, you know, they, we'd have an opener, and I'd be his middle act, and he would close. Or with Roger Mercik, who had one of the funniest jokes I ever heard about. Uh, fat people but you can't he he won't do it anymore he retires the whole he had like a five minute bit and he doesn't do it anymore because he doesn't want to offend anybody oh fuck you roger (laughs) (laughs) i always said that humor at its at its base you're gonna offend somebody oh please as long as you as long as you get a laugh out i mean i can laugh at myself how do you how do you get a fat girl in bed how piece of cake (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the greatest joke now Mercik is the guy that caught harry yes oh, yeah we're not going to say anymore yes that's a classic. yeah that's a, that's roger was the book. guy right uh, roger was the guy we would all sit in the back of the club and you know when the light would go on he would go i see the light that i'm still up here and one night bill was so drunk he took a, a newspaper and started it on fire and walked around the back of the place to get Roger off the stage. Oh, oh the stuff. You know, you know who Brian Regan is, right? Oh, yeah, I love him. I saw him not too long ago in D.C. He was at So your- when I was working in Fort Lauderdale at the comic strip in 1979, he uh, swept up and cooked the steaks and... Joe, the manager, would let him give him five minutes every comp- every once in a while. And he got a little better. So then eventually Joe said, all right, I'll give you 10 minutes on a Saturday night. So he's excited like crazy. So, you know, I'm always fucking around. I said, hey, Brian, you know what people really love? People love it when the comedians fuck around with each other because they feel like, you know, things are flying over their head and it's really fun. <laughs> so listen. So in the middle of your 10 minutes tonight, I want you to say, I had a date with Siamese twins last night and I'll be in the back and I'll yell, did you have a good time? And you say, yes and no. (laughs) And they'll go wild. And he, and he loved me, you know, and he's like, wow, you know, Jackie's, you know, this is long before Howard, but you know, I was kicking ass with these stupid jokes and I had my album out and everything. He's like, okay, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, and uh, so he's doing fine. You know, his his he's doing his jokes and it's working, and it's crowded. You know, it's packed on a Saturday night. You could hit your head with a spoon and get laughs. You know, so he's rolling along, and then out of a clear blue sky, he says, "I had a date with Siamese twins last night," and I yelled, "How was it?" which is of course the exact wrong thing. <laughs> and he was like, there was, there was nowhere to go. He had nothing to say. To this day, he's pissed off. <laughs> he's still, he's, he's, every time I ask Rory Rosegarden, his manager, I say, ask Brian about the, the Siamese twins. He, he doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> 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 tell, me, tell me a 
that that's not harmless ball breaking. That, that is that's 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 great ball breaking. That's <laughs> you got to have a sense of humor for that too. You know, we used to fuck. You know, you'd be in the bar at the comic strip, and somebody would be out there. They'd be killing and killing and killing. But all of a sudden, somebody would go, "Hey, John Heyman's on stage and he's really eating it," and we'd just all run out there because you want to watch the train wreck, you know? <laughs> right? You know. <laughs> and I was watching Larry David the other night, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. All of a sudden, I see executive producer John Heyman. I'm like, I saw you eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, it doesn't uh, mean anything, you know. No. My, now, did you know the fat doctor from DC? He was, and he, he left us recently, but he was a very funny guy and he talked about how fat he was. And was it, that a big fat black guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know if I knew him or knew of him. Yeah. I must I'm I worked down there so much for Harry and I worked for Dan. And Dan would get mad if you worked for Harry. And oh uh, yeah, you know, that's true. And I went on with Don Geronimo and Mike uh, Mercer or whatever his name. I went on with them a bunch of times. Well in the radio, and then you know, you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that. I'm like, fuck everybody, shut up. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Well, Doc had a wonderful put down for a heckler one time. A heckler was giving him shit. He was doing a joke about how he's so fat he could get friction on a pickle jar. And, some, and this guy got upset with him and said something to him. And Doc around and looked at him. He said, shut up before I hit you in the cheek with, with my dick and leave a mushroom imprint. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. How great is that? I mean, come on. I mean, that's, that's just beautiful. Yeah, and the guy shut up. <laughs> they have to. They have to. Well, anyway, all right. So the last word is yours. I've had way too much fun doing this, but we got to do it. When again. when does this air? This will be on tomorrow, if it falls oh. well. Okay. Well, uh, then I would do my do not mind saying that Thursday night, I will be at the uh, West Palm. The, I guess it's the Palm Beach Kennel Club in West Palm Beach, which sounds weird, but it's like a gambling establishment. But uh, like Dice was there two weeks ago and, and Florentine was there a month ago. I mean, it's a real great, great performance space. And uh, so anybody that's in Palm Beach or Boca or anywhere in that area, you know, half of New York is down there now. You know, you throw, right. you throw a Frisbee, you hit somebody from Oyster Bay. So come on out and see me, come to the show. We'll have a few laughs, have a, have a great time. Email me, jokeland at AOL.com and all the information for my shows is on jokeland.com. And the Brian, so, this is so much fun. I'll do this anytime. Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to leave you with a last joke. What, what would you like to say? Your last joke. My last joke. Uh, Hopefully not your last joke, but the last joke of this show. Not my, my the, <laughs> the greatest marriage joke of all time. Okay. The wife says, get out, get out, get the fuck out. And the husband's walking out the door. She says, I hope you die a slow, painful death. He says, so now you want me to stay? <laughs> <laughs> they don't get any funnier than that. And one poop joke. The guy goes to the vet and says, Doc, you got to help me. My dog keeps eating his own shit. And the vet says, well, give him one of these pills every day for a week. And the guy says, what will they do? He says, make the shit taste bad. <laughs> 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 hey, I want to stay in touch, Brian. Let me know what's up and uh, anytime. Anytime you're, you're in town, whatever you want to do, yeah. I'm here for you. 
Bro, I'm here for you. I got the first uh, first rounds on me. So, okay. Oh, he, I didn't even mention I got a book out, my autobiography, The Joke Man, Bow to Stern. And if you were a Stern fan, you love my, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I got a huge pump about a year ago. And, you know, Howard never mentioned my book, you know, not, so his listeners had no idea it existed. And my publisher calls up and says, man, you just got a huge bump in sales. Did you go on a TV show or what'd you do? Big radio show? I'm like, no. What happened was Howard put out a book. And you know, on Amazon, if you buy a book, oh, it's underneath a it says, people who bought this book also bought. Yeah. <laughs> There's my book. And then people with Stern, buying a Stern book, they already got their mouse. They already got their credit card in. Like, with one <laughs> click. What the hell? The, the joke man bowed to Stern. So thank you, Howard. Thank you, Brian. And uh, anytime, anytime, anytime. The show is Just Ask a Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks, and we'll catch you next time. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast.